Welcome. Thank you for listening to this wholesome word by David Entry. The words you catch will change your world. May your story change from this message. Be blessed. The Apostles' Creed said, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Okay, let's go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the preservation of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hallelujah. Say amen. Amen. The Apostles' Creed was there too. In fact, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says they continued in the apostles' doctrine. First of all, is the doctrine. So, the, you know, when you, I hear the McDonald's in America is different from the one here. <laughs> Some, but the KFC in New Cross is not different from the one in Camerwell, right? The KFC in Nottingham is not different from the one in Bristol. Because it's the same recipe. The recipe and the way it's prepared is the same. If you can maintain the recipe, you can have the same results. So for us to experience the kind of church the apostles experience, there must be a, quint- a continuation. Now, we were not there in the days of Peter, so we cannot know how they used to sing because they didn't have keyboard. They didn't have this kind of Yamaha drums. They didn't have public address system speakers. They didn't have speakers. So, but we have speakers, we have Yamaha, and then we have motif. We have bass guitar, yeah. And so in a certain way, in a certain sense, their style of worship might be different from us. But if we, for, for us not to deviate from them because generations and cultures change and all that. So then when you go to uh, Japan, they, they, they don't, in some meetings, they don't sit on chairs. They, they sit on mats. Right, and so, but here we don't sit on mats, we sit on chairs. How can we have the same worship? And the addressing style is different. You know, in some places they actually meet on trees. <laughs> now, you can't do that in Scotland with the men wearing the Scot- Scottish skirt. <laughs> So, but there is, a, there is a fundamental core ingredient, um, essential element that makes church church. Now, if we deviate away from it, we can have gathering, but we'll not have church. 
So there are people who are having gathering, but really they are not having church. Because, so what will help to keep the same essence of church across the generation and across the cultures is what we are calling the continuing apostles' doctrine. So it's the doctrine first that will help us to be able to have uh, fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. So they continued that apostles' doctrine. So the apostles' creed was a way to maintain the same essential doctrine, the, the, the um, active ingredients, that's the word I've been trying to remember, the active ingredient in the core church life must not be reduced, must be kept untempered with. And so the Apostles' Creed is a set of confession that the early church maintained and the church of Christ across the generations must maintain. One, it was given to protect us from error. So when someone comes and he says that, really, Mary had an interaction with Joseph. And Joseph, Mary was a teenager and they, they wanted, at that time, there's society was a certain way, so they wanted to protect Mary. So, uh, you know, Joseph, they just said that it was not, uh, because they were not fully married. So it was not, it was God. And then, and then secondly, Jesus was a very unique person. That is why if Jesus is a unique person, let's try and do something, let's say something about his birth. So his mother and his father will be decent enough. You know, as soon as you hear someone talking like this, immediately your alarm bells go off because it doesn't matter how powerful he is, how intellectual he might look, he might sound. You know that no, this is this is this is this is very false teaching, false doctrine straight away. So the now, in in some parts of the world, they really don't care about doctrine; they care about the feelings you have in church. As long as I can feel something, it's good. But if you keep feeling and feeling without having a, a foundation of spiritual common sense, <laughs> that's why it's called doctrine. Doctrine is really spiritual common sense. Your orthodoxy. So if you don't have that in place, you'll be feeling, feeling. Satan also get involved and you'll be feeling, feeling. <laughs> Like, okay, let me tell you something. Somebody came and said, can I, have money? can I give you this money? came to Peter in Acts chapter 8. Can I give you the money so that you can give me that power? So that for whoever I lay hands. Peter really knew that, no, this is the devil. So that means Simon was a believer too. Bible says, and Simon himself, Acts chapter 8, I think verse 9, 10, 11, somewhere there. Simon himself believed. So he also believed, and actually, he didn't just believe, but he was a follower. I believe someone, someone followed better than some of you are following. Yeah. Yes. And continue. See, the word continue with Philip means he followed Philip until senior apostles came and introduced something that was higher than the new church having seen. When they introduced it, the sorcerer's carnality kicked in. And he went back to his days of smoking and drinking and fornicating. He felt like this seems this is good. If I can add this one too. And Peter realizes the infiltration is coming to the church very quickly. Because he had sound doctrine. You can't buy the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
There are places in some parts of the world where they sell. They will have to sell it. If you want the Holy Spirit, we buy this thing, buy this thing in it too. It's, it's amazing. You see, so, so but when, when you understand the fundamental tenets and the doctrine that make Christianity Christianity, you can't easily be deceived for someone to tell you that we all worship the same God. That uh, what, what, whatever. Uh, they say, Hindus call him this one. Muslims call him that. Jews call him this. Uh, 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 Buddhists call him this. Atheists call him this. But it's the same. Thing. Look, 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 look. <laughs> right? As soon as you hear they say it's the same, your alarm bells go up because you have been taught the funda- fundamentals of Christianity. So it helps to protect us from getting to errors. It's very, very important. It helps the church from getting into error. And then secondly, the purpose of the Apostles' Creed also helps for us to have a better understanding of God. Some of you, before you became born again, maybe you were born into a certain religious setting. Your religious worldview, some of you came from different kinds of, all kinds of church backgrounds. It's courage you came and you found out that a, past, a preacher can preach with the Bible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, if you thought the Bible was, no, no, you don't need the Bible again. It's, it's a, it, or it's just for decoration, it's lying there. Some of you, it's after you came here, you realized that you can, so is it okay to preach without wearing dog collar? <laughs> so, and some of you also came here and then you found out that so when you are in church, you don't have to fornicate. But in you know, my previous church, even the, the, everybody was doing it. <laughs> Some of you, first time you came, you saw drums in church. Where's the pipe organ? What, is there a school? It's, someone said, let's go to church. He brought you to a school. He said, well, that is a school. You know, so... Religious worldview, we all came from all kinds of different religious backgrounds. And if you don't take care, you project it on Christianity. Project it on your church life, thinking that this is how it must be. But for the church to remain pure, we need the Apostles' Creed to help us to understand who God is. It helps God to be able to bring himself a bit closer to us. Because in Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be a there was. And everything God did was good. It was good. It was good. And God created a world that was good until sin came in. When sin came in, it affected everything. Human beings, creature, everything about humanity, about creation. So creation now fell from God and it's like creation was hidden away from God or God, as it were, creation and God became separated. And so then people had their own idea about God. Everywhere you go, anywhere you go amongst human beings, they will tell you about a form of God. It, It doesn't require education. It takes education to say, I don't believe in God. Somebody must impose it on you. <laughs> Somebody must impose it on you that there is no God. But the subject of God is, is inherent. In every community, they believe in something. They believe in something that is beyond. Before the gospel got to the Brits, they, they had their own um, pagan religion they used to practice. 
years ago. So those who say Christianity is a white man thing, before he came here, they were actually, the original white man thing, they were worshipping pagan. That's where they infiltrated it with uh, even uh, Christ, uh, Christmas and Easter and some of those things. Yeah, they, they, because it was so much part of them that you couldn't separate it from them. So Augustine told uh, his missionaries in England that just make sure if you can't separate them from them, just come change the Easter thing into a Christian thing and give it a Christian meaning. So now when we celebrate Easter, we are celebrating the Christian meaning of it. Christmas is the Christian meaning of it. You know. So uh, what I'm trying to say is that people, we, were, we, got, we got so far from God. Now God, watch this, God has to take time to reveal himself or explain himself or make us know who he is. Other than that, Satan will give us a definition of God which is not God. So the Apostles' Creed helps to do that. Now, remember that all Bible says, uh, Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned. And when all sinned, what happened? Fall short. So it's like you want to buy something and then you need, or you go and park, those of you drive, you park somewhere, you want to pay those times, you want to pay with coins. And it's um, uh, one pound, and you find 80p or 90p. You are short, you are short, you are short. You with your 99p, you can't pay. And the one with his 2p, uh, uh, 2p can also pay. All of you are falling short. So it doesn't matter how good you are. All are falling short of the glory of God. All. You can, doesn't matter how religious you are, we have all fallen short. Because all have sinned. Say, all have sinned. All have sinned. So all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Bible says that there is none righteous. I think, no, not one. There's none that's, verse 11, Romans 3, 11 or so. Said there is none that seek after God. There is none righteous. No, not one. None that seek after God. None. None righteous. So then, we went so far away from God. Watch this. This is very important. God has to introduce himself. Now, always, God has always had a plan. So as soon as man fell in the garden, God gave the promise that the seed of the woman is coming. Is coming to deliver man from the power of the enemy. He's coming. God just said it. So then, God now has to find a way. This is very important. I'm about to say something quite important. God has to find a way of maintaining the knowledge of God up over throughout the generations. Because all have sinned and fallen short. And no one knows God. And no one had a relationship with God. So now, how is God going to help humanity to at least know know the attributes of God or know the characteristics of God and know about God before they all go off. And so they used to have pantheism, many gods. Uh, atheism was not normal. Pantheism, mo- the monotheism was also not common because worshiping of what, there are so many things that are beyond human understanding that, uh, and there's animism. Those who worship maybe trees, uh, they worship uh, the sun. They say you don't, you, you know, and things like that. And all kinds of create, created things were credited with deity. So there are different forms of worship, and yet no one knew God. 
So God had to go to one guy who was also part of those who were worshiping idols. His name was Abraham. And God went to him and said, leave your father's house and, and I'll make you. And then Abraham believed. The word that came to Abraham sparked a faith in his heart. And God built a relationship with Abraham. And Abraham started working with God. So Melchizedek said, blessed be Abraham, the, uh, uh, um, the server of the, the most high God. It's, 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 it, that Melchizedek was the priest of the most high God and blessed Abraham. Because Abraham was walking with God when no one knew God. And God said, now I'm going to start a new race with you. And the race I'm going to start with you, they are going to be a people who, who I'm going to give them an aspect of myself, reveal myself to them, and they are going to maintain the purity of this creator God across the generations among human beings. So God called Abraham, revealed himself to Abraham, and established a relationship with Abraham. And before he gave him law, he gave him covenant. Because God, he said, I, am, I keep agreement. It's not so much about laws, but it's about a covenant. And then he said, anyone who is born in your family, get him into the covenant. So they, they practiced the covenant until they became a people in Egypt. And God brought them out and gave them a law and ordinances of how to relate with him and gave them a revelation of himself. So wherever the Jews went, they, they, they projected one God. Then people began to, who is this God of the Jews? And the God of the Jews started fighting for the Jews, delivering them from the gods of the other nations. And the other nations began to fear to the extent that Rahab said that we have heard about you. Everybody is afraid of you because of the things that your God can do. And so they went to the, the Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, eventually says that blessed be the God of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. For there's no God like him in Daniel, I think Daniel chapter 4, verse something, 30 something. He, 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 he said it, and in Daniel chapter 2, they confessed because of their, their boys, the Jews' relationship with God, the other, they are called pagans or Gentiles. They, everybody was doing his own thing. But it was only the Jews who had the knowledge of the true God. Do you know why? Because God managed to maintain a knowledge of himself among humanity through the Jews. So the Jews were specially formed to maintain the knowledge of God over the years. So that humanity would not go completely off. One way or the other, there are a group of people who maintain the knowledge of God. So that when it's time for God to come on earth, he's going to come through them. Because they have already a a certain type of relationship and a covenant relationship going on with him. So he can come through them and then now through the Jews save the world. And draw the world to himself. Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 18 and 19. So God was in Christ reconciling the world. But for the, before the Christ came, God must prepare a people. A people who have been trained with his law. His standards. God had standards. God, so God has standards. He has a way things must be done. That's why he gave them the law, the decalogue, the Ten Commandments, and then the rituals, how they should worship him, what they shouldn't do. Go and go and join these people. Don't mix yourself with these people. This is how you should come. In fact, when they built the tab- tabernacle, one of the interesting things is God spoke to Moses, gave him 
clear instructions. Make sure if you are building this thing to host and house me, it must be according to a certain pattern. You can't, you can't bring your own ideas. It must be completely from God. So Moses was warned divinely. According to Hebrews chapter 8, I think verse 5, Moses was warned divinely to see to it that he builds it according to the pattern that was shown him. Why? Because man doesn't know the pattern of God. God revealed it to Moses. He said, build it because if to have me, to have me amongst you, you must create a certain atmosphere and to create the atmosphere you don't know my house so I have to just show you how my house looks like in a way show you how it looks like for you to create it for me to come so he told he told the, he told Moses tell my people Exodus chapter 25 that let them build me a tabernacle that I might dwell amongst them verse 8 tell them to build me a, a tabernacle that I might dwell amongst them so he gave them systems so then through the Jews, we, we knew the world, at least, to, as many as came into contact with the Jews, knew about one God, monotheism. One God, one God, one God, one God, one God, until Jesus Christ himself came. Now, what has this got to do with the Apostles' Creed now? We have gotten to, last week we spoke about um, Jesus Christ, his son, our Lord. Say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And when you look at the Apostles' Creed, after talking about the Lordship of Jesus, the next thing it talks about is who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Now, that is a very interesting thing. Why? So conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary is what we are dealing with now. Why did he have to be conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of Virgin Mary? Why did Jesus have to be born of a virgin Mary. Now, I, when you study the text, the scripture very carefully, you find out that God kept, or he, he kept telling his people what he would do. That's one of the characteristics of God. He's a prophetic God. He always speaks about what he would do. What he would do. What he would do. What he would do. But in his relationship with the Jews, there was one particular thing he didn't keep them ignorant of, which was his ultimate intention which through so he dealt with the Jews this is very important through prophets who prophesied and the law of Moses so the law of Moses gave them modus operandum how they should operate with God you don't do this you don't do that this is how you do it because you don't know it's spirit so this is how you do it, this is how you do it, this is how you do it. And so he gave them. And then not only law, but he also, the law was pointing to a coming one. And then he spoke to the prophet. He gave them prophets. So the Jews, to be a Jew, you just know that prophets are part of life. You know prophets are mouthpiece of God. You don't do anything if the law doesn't say it or prophets have not said it. Everything must be based on what the prophets have said or the law of Moses have said. Where the law of Moses is like the constitution of the Jews. When he brought them out of Egypt, he formed the people, he gave them the law, their constitution. So they operate by the constitution of God that he gave them. It, it, it was a reflection of the nature of God. So you don't, you, if you want to convince a Jew, the, the easiest and the only way, the main way to do it is to con convince him from the scripture. 
Because the scripture is final. What God said to them through the prophets and Moses was final. There's no argument about that. Once you can just get it right, that's it. And now, God dealt with them based on prophecy, prophecy, and the center of prophecy and the center of the law of Moses was pointing to the coming of God himself. So everything, that's what Jesus said, Moses wrote about me. In John chapter 5, verse 44, 45, 46. Moses rose about me. And you won't come to me. He said, verse 39. You said through the scriptures, thinking that in them you have eternal life. And these are them that testify of me. And yet you will not come to me that you might have life. Because this whole scripture is pointing towards me. Now, when you read Romans chapter. All right, before I go there further, I almost left something that is important. How important is the virgin birth? Is, is, it, is, it so, is, very, is it so important to our Christian life at all? Whether Jesus was born by a virtue, a virgin, a married woman, or married by a prostitute, really he was born. All we need is he was alive. Yeah, and he did what he did. So what, what's the big deal? What's the first? And secondly, if it was important, how many gospels do we have? I mean gospels, writers. Four. Namely, you are great students of the Bible. I, I, didn't think, I didn't think you knew it. Wow. You knew it. Now let's try it again. What are the Gospels? Wow. This time I don't want to, I don't want to ask you to clap. I will do the clapping for you. Myself. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. During Christmas in, in the West. All right. Yeah, the West and Christian. If I, if I had not come to... UK, I wouldn't have known about the nativity. I didn't know it was called nativity. I just knew that it's a Bible. <laughs> Our Christmas in the nativity was not a big thing. The big thing was chicken. <laughs> but the nativity is such an important part of Christmas. But why is it that all the four Gospels, only 50% of the Gospels spoke about Christmas? When I say Christmas, I mean the nativity. Only 50%. Four Gospels. Matthew spoke about the birth of Jesus. Luke spoke about the birth of Jesus. Mark was silent. John was silent. If it is that of that great importance, how could you talk about the life of Jesus? Because the Gospels were capturing the human life of Jesus. His human living, what he did, it's his it's biography. So if you are capturing the biography of Jesus, how come you are silent about his birth if that birth was so important? And now one of the greatest important writers of the New Testament books is called Apostle Paul. Paul wrote 13 of the books of the New Testament, practically almost half. 14, the 14th one, theologians are still not sure. Book of Hebrews, they don't know who wrote it. Some believe it's Paul. I do believe it's Paul. Others too. But then, 13 Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Ephesians, or Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd uh, uh, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, 13. He wrote them all. And this is the one God used to give a a better explanation of what the church, the mystery of Christ is. And yet, Apostle Paul never mentioned anything about the virgin birth. 
say anything about the birth. So if the virgin birth was that important, why didn't Paul mention it? It's because, should I tell you why Paul didn't mention it? And should I tell you why Mark didn't mention it? And should I tell you why John didn't mention it? Which one do you want to know first? Oh, first, all of them first. One, Paul didn't, okay, let's go to Mark because his book, book comes first. Mark didn't mention it because Mark focused on the ministry of Jesus. So Mark's gospel was from the, the age of 30. When he was 30 years, his ministry, after he was baptized, the things he did till he died. So Mark focused on that. So obviously, he didn't focus on the early days of Jesus. He just straight to the, cut to the chase, let's talk about the ministry of Jesus when he started his actual ministry on earth. And John, John also spoke about Jesus from, the, from his eternal perspective. See, when you are talking about how Jesus is supernatural, how is it eternal, you won't focus too much about his natural birth. Because his natural birth was not his beginning. How did John start? In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. That's John's nativity. <laughs> How can I tell you the beginning of the one who doesn't have a beginning? I, I just can't talk to her. Because John was presenting Jesus not from his human point of view, but from his divine point of view. When you study John very carefully, you will be convinced that Jesus is divine. Jesus is deity. Jesus is God. Because it's only in John where you, you find the word, the phrase, I am, I am, I am, ego me, I am, I am. John took time to enhance and highlight the fact that Jesus is supernatural. He's God. So he didn't focus too much. However, he said, and the word became flesh. So he picked on the nativity, but he didn't focus too much on the, all the story about it because it's, the story was not as important about, uh, as important as what has happened. And what had happened? God had become flesh. That's all. So God became flesh. That is the nativity. But Luke and Matthew took their time to narrate how it happened. When God became flesh, the process. So it didn't just show up that one day I'm going to become flesh. And then God, it's like the way maybe you dive under the water and you start becoming, beginning to live like a mermaid. <laughs> no, God didn't jump and come. He showed us, Mark didn't have time. He was talking about his later life. And um, John just said he became flesh. But we needed somebody to tell us how did he become flesh. When he became flesh, what was the process he went through? And how about Paul? Paul actually spoke about Jesus' supernatural being. In, in um, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it talks about great is the mystery of godliness. He said, God, God was manifested in the flesh. That, that Paul is telling you that. So Paul, like John, God was manifested in the flesh. In Philippians, Paul speaks about, in Philippians chapter 2, last week we quoted it, verse 7. He talks about Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God. Now, someone was asking me this question, why did he say in the, in, the, in the form of God? You know, the original Greek, the being is not there. Who in the form of God? When you talk about form of God, it's talking about the, it, it, even though by nature was God. All right. Jesus was by nature God. He did not consider it robbery. Robbery there means like 
to see something by force and hold on to it. The Greek word that was translated. It means to hold on to something, cling to it, grasp it. So one of the translations used is not grasp it or you don't hold on, hold on. So the robbery there means that something that you, you, you grasp, you hold on to. Even though he was God, he didn't mind restricting himself by becoming a human being and 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 uh, for for going when you are a human being, that means you go for goals and privileges of God. When I say privileges of God, I mean the characteristics of God because Jesus was at one place at every time. He wasn't everywhere. That's 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 the problem of becoming a human being. So when he wanted to enter you and I, he had to just die first. So he become the living spirit and then come into us. But if he didn't die, there's no way we are having service. Other people are having service somewhere. He'll be all everywhere. But now he's everywhere. You understand? So he, he limited himself or he restricted himself. He didn't, he didn't grasp the privileges of being God. Because when you are God, how can you be hungry? When you are God, how can you cry? When you are God, how can you sleep in the boat? He says, he that watches over Israel does not sleep nor slumber. So, nah, nah, nah. But he, he, he just gave that up to restrict himself. So it didn't mean that he ceased from being God. But what he did was, he took on humanity. Taking on humanity restricts you severely. Does that make sense? He took on humanity. That's why he never flew. He just never took pictures. He couldn't do selfie. <laughs> and he had to be born. All right, so that's what Paul was talking about. Jesus himself was God before he showed up. He had already existed. So even though he might not talk about the nativity or the virgin birth, he implied it in his teaching very strongly. It was very clear. Now, coming back to why the virgin birth, Three main reasons. Let me just give and see what we can. Number one, the virgin birth was necessary because it was fulfilling what God has promised. God was a prophetic God. He dealt with the Jews, had a relationship with them for many years. And all the time he was dealing with the Jews, he kept prophesying. Now watch this. God is a miracle-working God, right? The Jews were used to God working miracles. He opened the Red Sea. So he says that, this is interesting, thank you, Jesus. Because of his dealings with the Jews, the Jews got to know that God is a supernatural God. Hello? Like um, Elijah could part water for them to walk through. Moses could do it. Elisha also repeated it. Elisha could raise the dead. Elisha raised the dead, cleansed the leper. They were doing a lot of things. That, so all the people who knew God, knew that God, in fact, God did miracles. It caused the sun to stand still. How can you make the sun? It must be God. So he did all these things to let the, so the Jews who walked with God, the Jews knew that our God is a powerful God. He can do miracles. Now, all that was to prepare them for the ultimate miracle that was coming. And so God, through Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 14, verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 14, instead, Isaiah 14, 7, how could I, um, yeah, Isaiah 7, 14, sorry, Isaiah, it says, 
Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Jesus came and was doing signs and wonders. God himself said to me, I will give you a sign. And what is the sign I'm going to give you? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. What? What's that? A virgin? Virgins can conceive. A virgin can be given because it must come. There must be a man involved. So remember when the angel went to Mary in Luke chapter 1 verse 34, said you're about to give birth. Mary said, but how? Yeah. Was that a legitimate question? Yeah. Because you can't have a child without a man. So God said, I'll give you a sign. Me, myself, I'm going to give you a sign. And so for a virgin to conceive in the, the early church considered it very essential, which was pointing to the fact that the person who came is not an ordinary person. Because if you say, do you know what was interesting is, according to Matthew and Luke, Mary was engaged and Jacob, uh, sorry, Joseph was with her. But Bible says before they could come together. That's very interesting. <laughs> he said, before they came together, you know what that means? Londoners, yeah. <laughs> don't you know what that means? Before they could come together, that's very interesting. She was found to be, she was found with child. Eh? That's interesting. Before they came together, she was found with child. So no one, you know, a, a, a virgin means that no one has come together with her. Before they could come together, she, so while she was still a virgin, she was found to be with child. Is that not a sign? This is not normal. How can, that's what Mary asked. How can these things be since I'm still a virgin? Since we haven't, I've not come together with anybody. That's what Mary, how can these things be? And God himself was coming to do a supernatural thing. So then one, he had to be born by a virgin because it was a miracle of God. He taught them to know he's a miracle working God. And he prophesied, I'm about to do a miracle. And he, he walked with his people for many years, pointing to this singular thing that was about to happen. Because one day, one of you, a Jew, is going to conceive the Almighty God. So it has to be the virgin birth because of the prophecy. Romans chapter um, 1, verse 1 and 2. It talks about Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, separated to the gospel of God. Say gospel of God. Gospel of God. Verse 2, which he promised. Did you see that? He, the gospel of God, which he promised before through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Then it goes on concerning his son. So the gospel is about Jesus Christ. And so his birth had already been prophesied. His birth has been said by Isaiah. So when the uh, before, when J- Joseph found out that she was with child, Joseph wanted to put her away. Because Joseph found out that, no, it's like when you buy a cloth, you buy, go and buy some clothes from shop or shoe, and then you, you take it home, and then shoe particularly, you take it home, and then you saw that the one they put in the box, it's, it's been worn, it was used. What do you do? You take it back to the shop. So that's exactly what Joseph wanted to do. (laughs) 
Joseph wanted to put her away, but he didn't want to put it on social media. He didn't, he didn't want Zara to feel bad about this. So he just wanted to go and talk to the store manager gently and put him away. Joseph wanted to put her away. He didn't want to make a public issue secretly. Then an angel of God appeared to him in a dream. He said, hey, don't do that. Because that which is born of her, that, that is of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph being a righteous one, that's why it's good to go out with people who are righteous. Today, Proverbs, as we read Proverbs chapter 10, spoke about the righteous person. He said, righteousness, is, there's life. He said, it will save your life. But iniquity will die. So you have to go out, please, if you want to go out with somebody, be interested in their righteous life. Be interested. Have an interest in somebody who is righteous, not somebody who is nice, not somebody who is massive. Just have an interest in somebody. <laughs> of you, that's all you want. Last, last has overtaken your mindset. You want sophisticated lady glazoo. Some of you guys, what has delayed your marriage is not because there are not enough women. It's because of your last. I won't call it this, your last. Make righteousness the first a priority if you want to choose a wife or a husband. Because maybe God is going to do something with you. You need a wife or a husband who will say, if it's of God, I'm, I'm for it. If it's of God, then that's fine. Some of you, you want to be a man of God, a very powerful man of God, but your taste, the kind of girls you have taste for, they are not girls who, missionary girls who, no, 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 they don't do missions. They are healed alone, it doesn't go in some places. No. Look, I said, no, I can't take my heels here. I don't eat this kind of food. I don't know this kind of people. I don't mingle with these kind of people. I don't know that. I don't know that. You see, your taste, your taste has compromised your potential greatness in ministry. Let's go back to the text. So God appeared to, uh, angel appeared to Joseph. But because he was a righteous man, it was easy for God to convince him. Because he was a righteous man. Yeah was a righteous man. The kind of appetite and desire I have for the things of God, if I had not married the kind of woman I did, by now I would have been out of ministry. Because she won't take those some of the sacrifices. She won't take it. Joseph, righteous man. Mary, righteous girl. girl. God liked the righteous girl. But she was so righteous, she went for a righteous guy. The kind of people you are dating tells us you are not very serious Christian. You are not a, I'm telling you to your face, you are not a serious Christian. You are not a serious, look at the one you used to date. And the one you are now developing appetite for. You are not a serious, your level of righteousness is questionable. Hey. All right, let's go back to virgin birth. So, he had to be born by a virgin because he fulfilled the prophecy of God. God said, this is what I'm going to do. Number two, 
You know, sometime ago when the uh, American presidents, or usually when American presidents go anywhere, where they land, planes don't land at that time. You go to an event, they said the queen is coming or a dignitary is coming. Everything is in order before they come. They don't enter the way we all enter. God now was also coming to be a human being. You want him to enter the way you enter? No, no, no. He can't come away. He can't come away. His entrance must be different from your entrance. He must be born, yes. But it is not the, the uh, grandeur or Ferrari or uh, the, the, the activities. No, no, no. But because at the end of the day, birth is birth. Okay, so it's not whether you were born in a moon or on a plane. Or the, those things are not important. But how you were conceived. Because we all get conceived by our father and mother, which shows that that's why usually, 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 please, usually the, 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 the surname is from the father, usually. Now, whose seed are you determines who you really are. Or whose seed you are determines who you really are. Now, Jesus Christ was coming here for an assignment. One, he is God in the flesh. When we talk about the Trinity, we talk about Father, Son, and Spirit. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's all say that together. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's not three people. It's one God, but three persons. A person is not, uh, a person is like, uh, the, the word person comes stem from theater. You know, somebody who dressed like Queen Elizabeth. So you show up as the person of, it's not, it's like your presentation. Okay, so your person, a person. So persona. So God is one essence, one God. Here, O Israel, that's why, watch this, that's why he had to raise the Israelites to know he's one God. So the same God is, a, is, is one creator. It's not three, it's one God. But three persons in one God. So the three persons, they have, three persons have one essence, one essence, or one nature. One nature, three persons. Now, Jesus Christ was born as a human being, and he had the human nature. How do you know? Because he ate. He cried. He, everything, the spectrum of human life, he was so human. He was so human, they had to kill him for saying he's God. There's nothing God about him physically. He was physically so human that you wouldn't even accept it. If he had come today, you would never accept him that he was Jesus. He was God. That's why he had to validate who he was with his works. He said, if you don't believe him, believe me for my work's sake. So then, the point, the point here is that Jesus had a human nature. 100% human, not 50-50, please. In the, in the olden days. And now some people even believe it. That you see Jesus was. Human being. And he lived a certain life. He lived a certain life. And he, he, he became deified. He gained divinity. Deity. Jesus was 100% human being. And at the same time. 
100% God. That's where the mystery is. 100% human. So he didn't lose his godness even though he restricted himself in humanity. Yet he didn't. So there are a lot of the times he was operating, not operating as God, he operated as a human being. That's why he could say that nobody knows, not even the son of man, except the father. He was speaking his capacity of man. Someone came to him and said, good master. I said, no one is good except God. So he operated in his capacity as a man. That's why he died. He died on the cross. Because God, how can you say God died? It, 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 it defeats the definition of God. So I hear some uh, certain Muslims ask a question some time ago. When Jesus died on the cross, did you mean God died? So what, 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 where was God when Jesus died? It's, it's because you don't understand. It's the human Jesus that died. And watch this, it's not God that resurrected. Because God doesn't die. It's the human Jesus that was resurrected. It's the human Jesus that is seated in the heavenlies. So he took humanity. He came, he brought divinity, mixed it with humanity. Humanity died and resurrected humanity and took humanity into God. That is what it is. Bible says that by one man, so then, let me, let me end of this point because it's important. Romans chapter 5 verse 15 talks about by one man, offense came. By Romans 5 15, by one man offense came. This, it must also be by one man. It says that, but the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many die, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man. So Jesus was an actual man. But he has to be different from other men. Because if someone takes your shoes and it's bought and you have to replace it, and they bring you, they took your shoes that you, you bought from uh, where? Chanel. What did he say? What do you say? <laughs> so you bought your shoe from, let's say, Chanel, and then somebody spoils it, and they say, I'll replace it for you. And then it brings you a shoe from East Street. <laughs> Even if he brings it from Oxford Street, but from a, the value, it brings it, no, you must bring something of a higher value to compensate and pacify me. The bulls of uh, the blood of animals can save us. But what we forget is neither can the blood of other human beings save us. Do you know what? Because your blood is, is stained. You are not a sinner because of the sins you, you commit. You are a sinner because you were born a sinner. The, the nature of sin, all are falling short of it. The nature of sin was passed on through the blood. So you don't have to teach a child how to sin. He's a sinner on arrival. Yes. We are all sinners on arrival. If whether you have done anything right or wrong, you are a sinner on arrival. Everybody, David said, in sin, in sin did my mother conceive me. Psalm 51. He said, my mother conceived me in sin. I was born in sin. I'm a sinner on arrival. Bible, in fact, the Romans chapter 5, verse 17 uh, verse 19, but because time. let's go to verse 19. Verse 19 says that for us by one man's disobedience, many, how did he become a sinner? How did many become sinners? Who is that one man? 
So when Adam became disobedient, every Toledo, Toledo, everybody after Adam became a sinner. In the same way, by one man's obedience. So there must be another man. Show me Adam's father. There must be another man. Jesus, Adam is the first man. Jesus is the second man. Two men. It depends on where you are. So the second man cannot come like how every other man comes. Other than that, his life, his blood is common. His blood is like every man's blood. But this one, his blood, the source of the blood was from heaven. Shout hallelujah. That is why, that is why Acts chapter 20, he says that, take, verse 28, take it to yourself and to the church. Over with the Holy Ghost, to shepherd the church of God, which is purchased with what? His own God bought it with his blood. Where did he get the blood from? Where did God get the blood from? Because spirits don't have blood. But where did God get his blood from? When he became a man, the Holy Spirit himself, watch this, the Holy Spirit himself descended into a human womb and took the, wrapped himself in a human womb and grew there and became a human being. Satan cannot operate like that because Satan has not been born. Satan has not been born. So Jesus had to be very different in the sense that his blood is unique. That's why his blood is spotless. Sinless blood, that's what can save you. But, but, but think about it, you. The way, the things that have happened in your life, that started with your great grandfather. You really need a proper sinless blood to help you. <laughs> and once upon a time, a woman was caught in adultery in John chapter 8. They brought him to Jesus and they said, The law of Moses said she should be stoned. What do you say? He used his finger to write in the sun. The same finger that wrote the law of Moses now was writing in, in the sun. He used his finger to write in the sun. Why the sun? So that it cannot be remembered. Because not what you are, the records you are keeping. He said, then they were putting pressure on him. What do you say? He lifted his eyes. He didn't have to say much. He said that. He didn't say anyone who is sinless. He says that the one who is sinless, let him be the first. The rest, I know all of you might. But I just need one person. That's the question. The thing is, I just need one man, one human being who will say I'm sinless. Start the condemnation. Bible says that from the top. From the first, everyone, those who had it being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. Everybody, hey, hey, I have to go, I have to go. Why? What is this? What is? And then Jesus said, "Woman, where are your accusers?" Said, "No, no one." Said, "Did no one condemn you?" Said, "No, no one could." He said, "Okay, then I also don't condemn you. Go and see no more." Why don't I condemn you? Because every human being is sinful. So the point here is, if every human being is sinful, should Jesus also come like the way every human being comes? Then how can a criminal go and bail another criminal? How can a prisoner set another prisoner free? Go and say that no. No. So Jesus had to, even though he was, but the reason why he had to be like us, because he came to save us. But he had to also be different from us so long as the purity in his blood was concerned. Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, sorry, chapter, um, 
2, verse 14, that because the brethren were flesh and blood, he himself shared in their sin. Because we are human nature, he also had to become a human so that by death, because if he remained God, he can't die. But he needed to die, that he would kill, the, he would destroy the works of the devil. So he went to destroy the works of the devil through death. So he had to be like us and stand on our behalf or from our position and deal with the devil and deliver us. That is why he had to be like us, but he has to be super nice, better than us. And so he could not be born like the way you were born. He couldn't enter humanity the way we entered. God himself had to breathe himself. So God took himself, put himself, and the Bible said the word became flesh. So you know what? You don't need involvement of another one. Joseph, stay aside because me, myself, I'm going to. I don't need anybody to help me. Mary, can I use your womb? Mary said, yes, you can. Then he entered. And then wrapped himself and he became a baby. Started growing. Started growing. He was born. That is how God entered the earth. He needed the human vessel, but he needed a virgin birth. The virgin birth tells us that he's not ordinary. He's actually, he, okay, last point. The virgin birth tells us that he existed before he showed up. All of us, our father, we begin, we began from our father. But Jesus began from his father. He and the father are one. He was already there before he came into earth. That's why he needed the virgin birth. The virgin birth. Other than that, his blood can't save us. His blood is also a sinner's blood. His blood is ordinary. His blood is common. But his blood is not ordinary because his blood did not, did not come by human genealogy. Even though his natural life, Mary had genealogy from Abraham, from the Jews, he also came like that by his blood. The core thing is that Jesus' blood is different. So you saw him looking like an ordinary human being, yet he was divinity in an ordinary human being. So God can become flesh. That's why he had to come. So when we say, I believe in the, uh, uh, and in his Jesus Christ, only son and Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, it was very important because if he's not, he wasn't born by a virgin, he couldn't save us. You will still be in your sins. Does that make sense? Did you receive something? Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. You're welcome to connect with David Entry on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also find more spirit-filled messages from Caris Church on YouTube and all relevant streaming platforms. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share the message. Be blessed.